And uh, so Luke chapter number 10. Luke 10, since we got started so late, I'm going to just get into this. I apologize. Luke chapter number 10. And uh, we're praying that others will uh, maybe still be on their way, but I'm thankful that you're here and uh, have uh, decided to learn from the word here at this hour. Luke 10, look at verse number 30. Luke 10, we started a, uh, a series entitled A Heavenly Love. We did that two weeks ago. Uh, and then, of course, last week we had um, uh, the Kumars with us, and uh, he shared with uh, with us. But A Heavenly Love. And uh, this morning we're going to kind of start to see how Jesus condemns just kind of calloused efforts or calloused piety, so to speak, how, how, he, how he condemns that. We're going we're gonna to spend several weeks uh, in, this, in this text, many, many more weeks to come. Now, we've got missionaries uh, that are going to be sprinkled in, of course, on these as well, and I'll give them this time, uh, so I'll try to keep you, uh, you know, apprised and, you know, remind you of things. But look at verse number 30, Luke chapter number 10, and Jesus answering, well, who did he answer? He answered the, uh, the lawyer that had the trick questions coming to Jesus, and then ultimately his second question was, who's my neighbor? Okay, and uh, remember the whole reason for this parable is really the um, kind of the affront to the self-righteous. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, And said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Notice what Jesus asked there. I'm getting way ahead of myself like weeks down the road. Notice what Jesus said. um, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. Oftentimes, we think of when the uh, when the or when excuse me when the when the when the lawyer said, "Who's my neighbor?" We often think of the man that's in the ditch. And Jesus turns it on its head. Which one of them was neighborly unto him? And as I've said for years, you are actually the neighbor here in this text, and we're going we're gonna to expound upon this for weeks to come. Unto him that fell among the thieves, verse 37, and he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do likewise. Let me ask you a question. How do you react when someone tries to make a fool out of you? I mean, honestly, how do you react uh, when someone clearly is trying to trap you into a corner. Remember a couple weeks ago I tried to remind you of, of what his of this lawyer's you know real uh, real question is. Okay? And so he's trying to he's trying to make a mockery of of Jesus. 
And, you know, so when, when, when someone tries to do that, how do you respond? That's exactly what happened to Jesus in Luke's gospel. Our Lord is on, he, he's setting the scene for his most famous of parables, and it's one of his sharpest critiques of self-righteousness, of those that uh, would look inside themselves and uh, deem themselves as someone that is worthy of favor from God. And so the fact that Jesus continues even to answer this man was in and of itself an act of grace. When you are pushed, when you are cornered, do you normally, and this should be real, do you normally extend the grace? Oftentimes we're like, yeah, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to continue to uh, spend time with you if all you're trying to do is make me look like a fool. If all you're trying to do is mock me, I'm not going to give you additional time. I'm not going to uh, really care for your soul. And yet you see Jesus being uh, exactly what this parable is about. He is, he is the Samaritan. He's the one that is loving even though they're not deserving of it. And so his attempt to show up Jesus was absolutely obnoxious. And religious leaders, they tried this many times in Jesus' life, and they always failed. They always tried to trap him. They always thought they had the upper hand on Jesus. And his ability to answer these hard questions uh, only would infuriate them more, would only cause them to, uh, you know, just to, to get more upset and to connive to where they can, where they can trap him in, f- in further settings. And so they couldn't promote Jesus. On this particular occasion, Jesus' reply stands out for its warm-heartedness. Okay, and so what I want us to do is I want to start this morning by uh, just kind of telling you what this road would have been like. Okay, Jesus does not in any way say that this is a true story. Okay, we know that this was a parable. Uh, it is a tale that is that, that is told to dramatize and it is done in a very unforgettable way and the point that Jesus was desiring to drive home was in this legalist heart to literally get to his heart as well as to your heart and to mine as in most of Jesus' stories and parables he had one simple main point with a lot of details oftentimes, and uh, there were some secondary meanings and things like that. But he always really had kind of, he kind of had one, one theme to the parables in which he was teaching. And so the story begins on a, very, on a very dangerous road. It is the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. You can actually uh, look this up on, you know, on, you can go on to Google and you can kind of look where Jerusalem is and you can look where Old Town Jericho uh, was right there, kind of a li- little north, uh, northwest of the, of the Dead Sea. And uh, look at verse number 30 of our text. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. This is a story, but the road is real. Okay, The road is real. I've traveled some of this road. Uh, we did it in big old luxury, uh, you know, uh, big old buses and things like that that had Wi-Fi and stuff like that and soda and air conditioning and Coke. But nonetheless, this is a 
this is a real road. Okay, visitors to Israel can still take this route or a portion of this route, the one that Jesus would have traveled during his day, the one that David would have uh, been in the uh, mountains with, where John the Baptist would have grown up on the backside of the desert, just kind of northeast of Jerusalem. So from Jerusalem down to Jericho is about a 4,000 foot, you know, down in elevation. Uh, we know that the Dead Sea is actually uh, below sea level, and Jerusalem is in the 3,000 uh, mark there. So it's about a 4,000-foot drop, and it's about a 17-mile winding road uh, through the mountains down from Jerusalem. Should have put a picture up there, sorry, of Jerusalem down to Jericho, okay? Uh, you would cross barren mountains, oftentimes we think of green plush, no, 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 it would have been very desert-like, uh, very dry, arid, uh, sometimes very windy during different times of the year, and uh, there were certain places along this road where there would have been like a 300-foot kind of precipice where you could uh, fall down, and often you would you think of kind of even when, uh, when Satan would bring Jesus to places, and he would like look over and there were long, long drop-offs and precipices where if you would fall, no, no, most likely you would die. Okay, and there wouldn't be there wouldn't be anywhere to uh, to help you. Uh, much of the route is lined with caves. Much of it is lined with massive rocks and and boulders, and so it was a perfect place for thieves. It was a perfect place for for robbers, someone that that, that had an ill will. They wanted to harm and steal from you, and so in Jesus' story. The predictable happens. Again, it's a story, but it is an absolute real road. A man traveling alone on the road was jumped by a band of thieves, okay? And uh, they were particularly brutal ones. Uh, They took everything he had, and uh, not only his purse, not only... um, uh, That's funny, because that's literally what they would have been called back then. Although ladies use purses today, but, you know, now we call them man purses, right? Uh, But he would have had a satchel. He would have had, you know, some form of uh, thing that would have kept his money. That's not not the only thing they stole. They stole everything this man had. They literally took his clothes. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, we don't exactly know, but, I mean, basically, uh, they took everything he had. They beat him, okay, to near, to, to, to near death. The, the text here, and so we could kind of put it in today's vernacular, the man would have been in critical condition on the side of a road. When you hear of, you know, for example, the shooting that took place in, in Pittsburgh, and you hear as the information is coming out, and they'll say, you know, like four deceased and ten in critical condition, means their life is in the balance. They could die or they could survive. And obviously we always pray that they would, of course, survive. Many of them don't. And that number of deceased tends to go up as they're being rushed to the hospital. So kind of picture that. It's a man that he's left for dead. He's brutally beaten. Everything that he has had on him has been completely stolen. And he's on a desert road, not some holiday inn, okay? He's on a desert road, and it's nasty, Uh, This road saw a steady stream of travelers when people were coming to Jerusalem for the different feasts throughout the years. But in the other seasons, especially the hot, arid summers, there wouldn't necessarily be a lot of travelers unless it was during a feast time or during the winter. There was, traffic would have been very slim. 
there would have been few homes and there would have been very few stops along this 17-mile uh, drive. Or No, they weren't driving. They were walking, right? From, Jer- from Jerusalem down about 4,000 feet in elevation to Jericho. Okay, and so it was in the story lucky that anybody would even find him because you don't normally travel alone on these roads, okay? And so there was no guarantee anyone would find him. So I want you to, we're going to start today, we, don't, we only have time today to look at the priest, the priest. Look at verse number 31. So Jesus starts this story and there seems to be this amazing hope. Verse 31. And by chance, that right there would tell you that this was the story is taking set, that the setting would be in a time of where it wouldn't have been heavy traffic. So Jesus said, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. This appears on the surface to be the best news of the day. Here comes a servant of God. One who offers sacrifices for the people in the temple. A spiritual man who would have a model compassion. Uh, the author of Hebrews kind of is describing the, uh, the, 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 the priests of the day. And he said, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also has much infirmity. And so the author of Hebrews there was saying that, listen, when you're talking about a priest, these are men who are supposed to have great compassion. He represents, look at me, the best of men. That's who this man would have represented. Uh, A priest of all people would be familiar with the Mosaic law. I want you to turn to Leviticus 19, please. Leviticus 19. This man would have been familiar with what his responsibility would have been. Okay, Leviticus 19, verse number 18. Leviticus 19, verse 18. You there? Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So this man would have known that. If he was a a, a priest that's worth any of you know anything, he would have known this, and he would have known that you continue down uh, through the chapter, and it talks about how you and I are not only to love our neighbor, but you also are to love the stranger that would have been in your in your midst. Look at verse 33 of Leviticus 19. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Remember how God took care of the children of Israel in Egypt? But that wasn't their land. And so and so God is or Moses is, you know, he's teaching, he's speaking for God, and he's saying You were strangers at one point, and I took care of you. I used the Egyptian people. Now, at some point, that changed, and it was very, um, you know, uh, malicious care and things like that, and ultimately, they were uh, released from that. That's really what our 11 o'clock series is all on, and a fresh start, 
from Deuteronomy. But you see that God is, he's equating how you were strangers in Egypt, and yet I use them to take care of you. If you've got strangers in your land, okay, these are your neighbors. This is all in the same chapter. You and I are supposed to take care of them. We're supposed to love them. This priest would have known that. This priest would have would have known that that, that the, what, what the Lord requires of us in, in Micah to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before our God. Turn to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. This priest would have been fully aware of Proverbs 21, verse 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the people, he also should cry himself, but should not be heard. He would have understood the principle that is laid out in James 2, but it's really all throughout uh, the, the, the Old Testament that you and I, we should, uh, we, we should extend mercy. We should, we should show mercy. And when we don't show mercy, then why should we receive mercy? So this man would have been very schooled in this. This man would have understood. Turn back to Exodus 23, please. Exodus 23. The priest also would have been familiar with this portion of the law. Look at verse 4. Exodus 23, verse 4. If thou meet thine, what's the next word? Enemies. If thou meet thine enemy's ox, or his ass or donkey going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. And if thou see the ass or the donkey of him that hateth thee lying under his burden or lying under his load and wouldn't forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. So let me ask you a question. If a person found his enemy's donkey struggling under its load or maybe maybe in a ditch or maybe it's in a it's it's stuck in a ditch and if he was supposed to go help that man with his donkey or if his donkey got away and you saw him running loose you were supposed to go try to help him get his donkey back listen if you and I if they were supposed to do that for a donkey how much more for a human being Fair? Fair assessment? Oh, and by the way, this is your enemy. I mean, you have any enemies? No, don't, don't raise your hand. We don't have enemies, right? But it's your enemy. It's your neighbor. Just kidding, Ron. <laughs> but it's your enemy. And, and the law was saying, if someone that you despise, someone that's maybe harmed you or done something maybe unto you or said unto you, they are clearly your enemy, and you see them in great need... The law would have taught that you and I were supposed to go help that person. By the way, this priest would have known that. But the flash of hope that you see, and by chance there come a priest, that flash of hope was was very short-lived. When the priest saw the injured man, the Bible says he passed by on the other side. I want you to know something here. That verb there that 
references the opposite side or the other side is only used in this story. It's only used in this story. It's an active verb signifying that the one that the priest deliberately relocated to the opposite side of the road. So here's what it means. It means he's walking down the road. He can see off in the distance clearly somebody in need. And they did one of these. It wasn't just, let's say these ladies have a need. It wasn't just kind of like one of these and then keep walking. No, it's clearly there's a need here. I am going to walk on the other side of the way. I'm going to walk on the other side of the road. How many of you have ever eaten on University Avenue in Palo Alto? You've ever eaten there before? There's normally someone, right? Or sometimes multiple people that are going to ask you for money. Sometimes their signs are quite hysterical. You know, I need weed or whatever the case is. And or it's like, hey, I am homeless, I lost my job, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to ask you because I'm going to tell you that I have before. I've crossed the street and I've walked by. I've done that before. That's exactly what this text is saying. I didn't see it, but I just knew it. He's always there. And by the way, okay, let me just kind of like, you know, uh, salvage myself a little bit. I have helped the individual before, actually a couple times. But this time, I, was like, I just wasn't in the mood. And I, I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to walk over there because I know he's there. And I walked over to the other side. That's what it says here. And it's only used in this text. It's a literal, deliberate action. It is an action verb that says, you know, I do not want to help this individual. I see that there is a need and I am going to literally cross on the other side and I am going to walk by. He went out of his way to shun him, the man in need. The priest obviously had no compassion for people in dire distress. There is no other conclusion that can be brought from that portion of the parable. That he just he just didn't genuinely care about this man that was in distress. And so Jesus turned the turned the lawyer's question on its head. The question the fellow man asked was, who is my neighbor? But that's not the right question. Jesus is showing him through this parable that the right compassion is not narrow. Okay, Righteous compassion is not, okay, who can I... Eh, let's see if they're worthy of it or not. We're not to narrow our compassion... We're not to narrow our care, our reach, and our love. It's not for you and I to seek definitions of which sufferings really qualified for help. That's what Jesus is dealing with here. The duties of the second great commandment, they're not defined by the question of who is our neighbor. In fact, the opposite is true. Genuine love compels us to be neighborly even to strangers, even to enemies. 
strangers, enemies. They're our neighbors. They're our neighbors. Therefore, we are to, we're expected to bless them. We're expected, as Romans says, to do good unto them. We're expected to pray for them. And so the cold-hearted priest in this parable is not necessarily, Jesus isn't trying to make an indictment of all of the priests of the day, okay? Uh, But many of them would have had this type of reaction. But Jesus isn't blanketing all of them, okay? He's not doing so in general. Uh, But certainly they lacked compassion in Jesus' time, some of them. All right? The priest represents not necessarily a someone that has the role, like me, okay? Maybe in today's today's vernacular, New Testament, we're not we're, we're not priests. We're all believer priests. Amen. Praise God for that. Okay, if you know what that means, that's awesome that we're all believer priests. But in the New Testament. Uh, you know, you have maybe an under-shepherd, okay, Jesus is our great shepherd, and you have someone that can kind of oversee, and so if you want to kind of put me in the same kind of vernacular as that, but I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. I don't believe Jesus is singling out only a group of people that are the workers in the church. I don't necessarily believe that. I believe the priest represents anyone with full knowledge of the scriptures, and a familiarity with the duties of the law who's expected to help. You gotta remember uh, what would happen here. This would have been in a this would have been in a group setting. And Jesus is not only necessarily teaching just for this lawyer that would have brought the erroneous question simply just to trap Jesus. Jesus was expounding much further upon that with a you know with a point here. And he's trying to certainly get to that calloused heart of that man. But I think the application for all of us is, is if we know what the first and second commandment is, first commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, money, by so on. And your who? Neighbor as yourself. Well, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Everybody. Oh, you all know that then guess what? Let's not be like the priest. Because the priest would have known. And you and I would have known. I mean, these priests, I mean, let me be honest with you, they had it down to all the Mosaic law. You and I, we've kind of really got all of that simplified into two commandments. Love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so what God is using this, um, this study in my life is, is that we've got to uh, we, we, we've got to realize that when the Holy Spirit of God impresses upon us to meet a need, to take care of a brother, sister, or enemy, someone in the ditch, homeless person, whatever the case is, certainly they're not our enemies, just giving the list there. You and I, we have to, we have to obey the Holy Spirit of God. There's going to be times when the Holy Spirit of God says, hey, I want you to do something for that individual. You ought to do something for that individual. And there's going to be other times where the Holy Spirit of God knows that there is no capacity whatsoever that you could help them at that moment. You know, you can just, you know, say, God bless you, be praying for you or something like that. But let's make sure that we're not just kind of walking on the other side of the street. Let's make sure that we don't become blind to it. Because... 
how will the world know that we are followers of Jesus Christ when we have love for who? One another. When we, when we display it. When we display the compassion. That's how the Lord knows that we're Jesus followers. That's how the Lord, that's how the world knows that we are his disciples. In other words, we are followers of Jesus. When you and I have radical acts of kindness and love. And this man, again, story, real road, real scenarios happened. This man (coughs) couldn't have repaid a thing. And we know, if, you've, if you're familiar, you've been in church long enough, you know the Samaritan actually gave a ton of extra money knowing that this man could never take care of what was ailing him, what was his problem. And so I want to, I just want to challenge you as, as we close this morning. Next week we'll look at, uh, we'll look at the Levite, and depending on time, we might even move into the Samaritan. But here's what I want to challenge you with. Sometimes we, we think that it's only leadership priest yeah okay well I, I don't know the priest represents someone that knows better represents someone that, that that knows how we ought to how we ought to act how we ought to live how we ought to respond to others and so you and I we've got to we've got to begin to we've got to begin to internalize this this is what a heavenly love looks like and it's not not the priest excuse me we'll, we'll, we'll get to exactly what it looks like in weeks to come but it's not like this priest that says hmm Yep, I don't want to help him, so I'm going to go to the other side of the street. Remember how they, remember how the uh, the Jewish people interpreted the law. They interpreted the law that they only had to take care and they only had to love those that they deemed as who a neighbor was. And that's why Jesus says, "Well, this is what you've heard. Well, let me really expose with what well, what the reality is. What's going around is is that you're allowed to hate your neighbor, or." You're allowed to hate your enemy, which then you can say, all right, well, you know what? I don't like you, so boom, you're my enemy. So now I no longer have to love that neighbor. And so let's let's live based on what we know. Let's be radical men, women of love, kindness. One of the outreaches that we're going to do in the uh, in 2018, no, we already are in 18, sorry, 2019, and uh, we're partnering with the Shell Station right down here. And for about a two-hour period, we are going to give a uh, 50, cent, um, 50 cent decrease per gallon on everybody that will come by for a two-hour period. And we're going to wash there. So you come by that day. It'd be great. We'll even do it for Church Focus. Great. And uh, we're going we're gonna to develop a, a flyer that that talks about that, and we're going to pump their gas, we're going to wash their windows, things like that, and hopefully uh, they'll, the snack shop's pretty small, but hopefully they'll buy some things in there, but just in a great extension of just radical love. Hey, we want you to know that we love you, and, um, you know, and so uh, that's one of the things that we're going to do, and uh, we might do that a couple times a year, um, but uh, we're, we're, we're excited about how we can radically love the world around us. And that's just one of many that we're going to uh, embark upon uh, in the in the coming year. And so I hope that you're a part of it in your mind and in your prayer. But this week, not 2019, this week, when needs arise, act in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, God, that you'd give us a, 
Uh, great day. I pray, Lord, I, I pray that our folks would come on in here at 11 o'clock. We'd have a great uh, service and uh, that we would uh, worship you with a heart that is just on fire, Lord, for what you've done for us. I pray that you would empower the message. And uh, Lord, I pray you give us a wonderful time of uh, barbecue and afterwards. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.